0: we're here. We're doing Hi, another Kyle. podcast.
1: <laughs> it's September.
0: It's September. We are coming out of the LLC. Yep. I'm not going to say fog because it wasn't. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't in a fog. You might have been. but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. And for all of our listeners, LLC is CMA's leadership and legislative conference. We hold every September uh, chapter leaders, uh, our corporate partners, and and
0: cma executive leadership and all of that comes together for a couple days um often it's here in dc sometimes we take it on the road you know just depends on the year
1: and our cycle
0: but uh we had a great time this week with folks coming in from all over the country and it was really wonderful to be in person again with people and connect and we had some great sessions and it was a great time and now it's over so one more fall event checked off the list
1: Absolutely.
0: But, but beyond LLC and beyond what we've been doing with regard to all of our communications nonsense and our busy busy life and starting to think about getting ready for World Conference shh, just around the corner, um, it is, think, a superintendent day this week as we're it recording is. this. And we thought, what a better time to do another series in our um, work with our friends Toro, um, our partners at Toro to highlight a GM superintendent team um, for, Thank a Superintendent Day. Like, how fitting That's, was that?
1: Absolutely. So, our friends in the industry, the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America, GCSA, uh, celebrates this annually, and it's an international day to thank and recognize those who help keep golf courses enjoyable and sustainable. The official day is September 13th, which is also GCSAA's 96th anniversary. So happy anniversary to GCSAA. And we hope you'll join us with this episode to encourage all golf lovers to thank their courses superintendent for the valuable role they play on a day basis and an everyday basis. Uh And on this episode, we're thrilled to feature the team at Indian Valley Country Club in Telford, Pennsylvania to talk turf and more.
0: Yeah, we were joined by michael jufri who's the golf course superintendent at indian valley and eric beck ccm who is their general manager Uh, they shared with us lots of great stuff it's a wonderful conversation but wanted to give you a quick um, little brief introduction to the club itself and then we will let you listen to our conversation Um, so indian valley country club was founded in 1952 and is one of the oldest private clubs in Telford, Pennsylvania that features a golf course, unlike any other in the world, which we get to find in our out conversation. why conversation. <laughs> Superintendent Mike Jufri maintains the very playable 18 holes of great golf. The course was designed by William Gordon, and it's challenging, and it has been host to GAP tournaments and local qualifiers, and is complemented by rolling fairways with meticulously maintained fairways and greens. So if you wanna learn more about the course and also the incredible relationship at Indian Valley Country Club that uh, Michael and Eric have, please take a listen. So please welcome Mike and Eric.
1: Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> we are thrilled to have the team at Indian Valley Country Club and Telford, PA with us today uh, to, to talk and, you know, it, coincidentally, obviously it is a thank a golf course superintendent Uh, day was celebrated this week. And so we're excited to uh, thank a superintendent while we're on our call. So um, let's let's dive right on in. And I'll start with you, Mike. How are you doing? How's your summer been? How's the turf doing?
2: Well, we've had an interesting dry summer. And then uh, this fall, right around aeration time, it started to rain a little bit. So we're drying back down, got some aeration done the last couple of days. So the turf has done really well all season long. So, knock on wood, we had a great season. Awesome.
1: How about you, Eric? How's your summer been?
3: It's been good. Certainly busy. Um, Mike, thank you today on thank of superintendent day. Um, but the, the club's been doing really well. We're um, like many clubs the last couple of years. We've just boomed, and uh, yeah, trying to keep the members happy.
1: Right. The absolute ultimate goal. So Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been at the club.
2: Well, I've been at Indian Valley Country Club for four years now. Um, that's actually interesting because I'm I'm just moving into semi-retirement from the club as superintendent um, emeritus and turning the reins over to my assistant, Doug Apple, who's Took over uh, at the end of the month. So, um, I've been in this business for 37 years. Um, I've uh, worked basically all up and down the east part of the the, the country, um, starting up in my hometown of Traverse City, Michigan, and then moving. Did some time in New York State as well as uh, Maryland, and then here in the Philadelphia area. So. Um, kind of gone full circle for me, and it's been an exciting time. Indian Valley is a really special place in in my heart because um, of all the work we were able to do in four years to, to really take the course to kind of a different level than it used to be.
1: And Eric, how long have you been at the club?
3: I've been here about seven and a half years. I um, was from the Philadelphia area. And had been in Pittsburgh uh, right before this and came here in twenty fifteen. It was my first general manager experience and just a, a great, great fit. and more than I could have asked for. Uh, you try and figure that out before making a move, but it's still a crapshoot and uh it's just worked out really well. I uh yeah. You know, Came in here kind of young and dumb, I think I probably still am. But young and dumb and just ready to, you know, bring ideas and try new things and push things and very fortunate to have a board then and board since that have been really supportive. Um, The club was eager for something new, for some excitement for some change it was kind of queued up for that anyway we're in an area kind of the suburbs of the suburbs of philadelphia so we're a little further out but um, there aren't a ton of clubs out here and the population growth uh, had been and has been just booming with people trying to get away further from the suburbs and get some land and a community and a family, you know, yard. So the club's done really well. It's um, gone through quite a transition from kind of an old school duck in its ways mentality to, you know, it's been fun uh, pretty much. I feel like everything that we've tried, most things that we've tried have worked and it's created a good, atmosphere of kind of go for it and see what happens and hope it works out and and it has for the most part so it's uh it's really been a good time um successful professionally satisfying uh great people a great team and uh it's, it's a it's a great little club we got here
1: Mike. Tell me a little bit about your course. When I was uh, doing some research for this podcast, I love to visit club websites. And on your club website, um, I found the quote, a golf course unlike any other in the world. Can you tell me a little bit about your course and and what that means?
2: (laughs) What's that, Eric? I didn't catch that.
3: Just chuckling. Looking forward to this answer.
2: well when i interviewed for the job 4 years ago and i went around the golf course it was very obvious that the golf course had some really good bones um, it it the land it sits on is is unique in rolling hills and uh, so it's it was a piece of, of property that that worked out very well for a golf course um, but it was a little rusty around the edges from the standpoint of the infrastructure in the golf course and um probably the most you uh, know the thing that makes the golf course play you know as interesting as it is is the greens on the golf course they're uh, a lot of a lot of movement a lot of undulations um green speed doesn't have to be super super fast in fact we've got to be careful that we don't get them too fast so so that they're A lot of false fronts on the greens that the ball rolls right off the front. So, um, you know, that's the probably the key to the golf course is the set of greens that it has. And then, um, you know, we've done a lot of work throughout the the course of what I like to call sunlight enhancement, um, which is uh, pruning and removing trees that are blocking sunlight and uh, air movement across the golf course to improve. Basically the growing conditions for the turf because when we manage turf we we got to manage it for playability more than we manage turf for health um, So we're always conditioning the turf to meet the golfer's expectations But grass doesn't always like to grow in that environment. So you've got to kind of stack the deck in your favor and get get as much advantage from mother nature as you can to provide those conditions on a day in and day out basis I don't know if that answers your question in full.
1: Absolutely no, I was going to say, it it sounds amazing. So kind of turning to the club, Eric, can you tell us a little bit about the club and your membership?
3: Sure. So uh, we are pretty much full right now. Our golf memberships are full. We have 570 total members, uh, about 320 golf members. it's a high usage club. Um, like I said, we're, we're out there a little bit. Um, it is not a, you know, hoity toity, um, snooty club at all. It's very comfortable, welcoming, uh, welcoming is our mission statement. It's something we really embrace, but, um, I think Mike and anyone who works here would agree that the membership is really what makes the, the club so special it's uh from i've worked at five or six other clubs before this and this is just so unique and how uh there aren't the clicks there aren't um it's just the the members are involved everyone else they, they'll play with anyone and they'll sit down and talk with anyone and that really makes it, it fun and, and special it's part of the community and it feels like a community. It feels like a family. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest defining features of our club. But in terms of the balance, we have a golf course, uh, we have a pool, uh, beautiful clubhouse that we've uh, done some renovations on in the last couple of years. Um, it's, uh we have some tennis courts. We don't have a full tennis program. And it's been very successful lately, which is really, really neat to see. And we haven't, yeah, you know, while still seeing that culture that was here for a long time maintained through the the changes that have taken place and everything. So, Eric, yeah. can you talk- I'm sorry. Go I'll
2: ahead, just- Mike pipe in a little bit. It, it The membership is amazing. Um, I've never, I've been, like I said, I've been in this business for 37 years. Um, a lot of different clubs and I've never seen a membership quite as unique as this. I mean, we went through kind of a, uh, a, a renovations of sorts on the golf course. And I had to provide, you know, kind of, outlay to the membership what we we're going to do and how we we're going to try to do that and and everybody in that room was just you know all on the same page they, they all got along well like eric said there's really no clicks it's just everybody has a good time and they're there to relax and enjoy i
1: love that it sounds like a super fun place not only to to belong but also to work and i know the two of you have been doing a number of projects together uh, in our pre schedule, uh, we talked a little bit with uh, Eric. Eric shared some information about your capital projects. Eric, can you talk a little bit about what you guys have been doing?
3: Sure. So um, we put together, it had been a long time since this club had reinvested in itself. Um, it was uh, yeah, long overdue, the clubhouse was very dated. The golf course, like Mike said, had uh, really good bones and design, but uh, was lacking some of the, the infrastructure and updates that would really make it special and clubhouse was right along those same lines. So we, um, we put together a project for member approval and I guess 2018, 2019, uh, we, we nicknamed it vision 2020, you know, looking towards, towards the future. And, um, uh, we had some ups and downs with getting it approved, but we ended up, um, getting that approved. So we spent about $2 million in the clubhouse, which, um, we didn't move many walls. We didn't do an addition. So that, that money really went a long ways in terms of touching a lot of the areas with, Aesthetic upgrades and uh, just kind of updating it from the, the very dated look that it had before. Um, we focused on the dining areas with communal spaces where everyone could gather and brief that part of our membership. And um, um, so we did that. And then the other component of it was for the golf course. So it was about one and a half million dollars in the golf course, a lot of drainage, which was kind of our Achilles heel with hard clay soils that we have here. Um, so adding drainage so that they could manage the moisture on in the, in the course. Uh, we redid all of the bunkers and we redesigned a couple of the key holes. Um, so those projects got through. We got to them, the golf course in 2019 and then the clubhouse in twenty twenty, which was interesting because we had pretty much shut down as COVID was hitting. And the project kind of finished back up kind of finished up in June or July, just as the the restrictions were lifting. So we uh you can imagine between a new clubhouse, the golf course really coming together at that point, and the the COVID restrictions, allowing people back to their clubs and everything, it was just gangbusters in terms of usage and activity. Um, So that was, you know, we talked about, we heard from other clubs, from other um, organizations, how much, you know, growth there would be in usage and how positive the impact would be. But we... Even we underestimated just how, uh, how impactful those changes would be to, to our members, to their enjoyment of the club, to their usage levels. And we've done some other projects since then, just kind of kept our foot on the gas pedal. Uh, we did drainage, XGD drainage in all 18 greens, which had a, a great impact. And we've done kind of the other areas of the clubhouse also. So it's, uh, I mean, it's just, so since 2019, our member dining has grown about 70%, which is wow. just incredible.
2: Holy our cow. banquet business.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, so our banquet business has grown about 30% and hasn't, fully come back from, from COVID. I mean, December of last year was still very impacted by that. Yeah. So we're seeing that grow even more. And yeah, that's created other challenges with staffing and keeping up with that usage, the, the response of, I guess, quality and quantity of, of, um, our team, of responds behind that membership growth the the usage growth because you can't we couldn't have anticipated this much so it's really been a time that our team has had to dig in you know wear more hats than they're used to and (laughs) uh, ask more of their people and that's created some challenges and some turnover and um burnout but we've also like I said, the board has been extremely supportive of doing what we have to do to keep up with it, to keep putting the the best product forward that we can and we're figuring it out out as we go. It's uh I've certainly never been involved with this kind of growth and it's uh been yeah, you know, figure it out as you go kind of situation, but it's been good, you know, it's good Good challenge, good fun. The membership is now full, like I mentioned, which is awesome. Uh, we're growing our initiation fees. We're you know, really getting a chance to look at what we do and what we offer and uh, expanding those offerings. So uh, it's really been an exciting time.
0: That's incredible. I mean, I think the, the staffing problem is a common refrain that we've heard over and over from folks over the last <laughs> several months, so you're certainly not alone in that regard. But I suppose the reason for the staffing yep. troubles is is positive in the sense that everything else seems to be booming, so that's really exciting. And I mean, from us, I you know I think we're we glad to hear that things seem to be going really well. And I think you all got really lucky with like. Everything kind of hitting at once after the clubs were able to reopen and, and all your, your big renovations were kind of coming to a completion. And you got to reveal all that stuff to your members as, as the club was reopening and people were allowed to come back. So that's pretty exciting. I think that's probably a great like, silver lining to all of the, the COVID drama that has happened over the last several years.
3: <laughs> For sure. It's, it's just been awesome to see. I mean, it's uh, uh, been a real transformation that's
1: incredible
3: overall club income of the club was 4.2 million dollars in 2015 and we're now at 6.7
0: wow that's awesome
3: i mean just uh, it's different different club different operation and yeah yeah
0: (laughs) well godspeed to you (laughs) all (laughs) thanks For A sure. nice point
3: of view sounds nice, but uh, <laughs>
0: that's uh, in some respects, but that's not as fun. No, absolutely not, for sure.
1: <laughs> so, Eric and Mike and 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 Mike, I'll kind of throw this to you first. You know, obviously, with all of the changes that have been going on and all the growth you're experiencing and the member demand, you know, this the staff team is so important and integral to. Handling all of that. So, what has been the key to you, to kind of establish and ma- in maintaining a good working relationship with the GM? And obviously, with thirty-seven years of experience, you've been doing this a lot longer. <laughs> um, uh-huh. the, the justice position. So,
2: yeah, I mean, you know, Eric jokes about being young and dumb, and I have to joke about being old and dumb. Um, it's it's been a very unique partnership as we we kind of went through the process of of doing these renovations, um, and really, you know, from the standpoint of our you know, Eric talks about the staffing and, and you know, how tough that is. It's a mindset too when you start to improve the golf course um, in the clubhouse and everything else. Expectations continue to grow. Um, it was every every year, every month, every day that it goes on. So the staff has to really kind of buy into and and uh, and understand what the club's going through and why expectations of their work and workload is gonna be different. Because once you kind of raise that bar, you just gotta step up and, and continue to work on on things. Even, you know, although the bigger stuff's done, now you gotta focus on the little details and, and do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the, the thing that I love about uh, working with Eric is is he's a great listener um, you know, I've worked with a lot of GMs over, over my career and, um, Eric's unique in that, you know, he, he may consider himself young and dumb, but he, I think he's really a smart individual that, that, uh, listens, um, and not always likes what he's hearing, but, but takes that information and, and weighs that out and tries to make the best decisions for the club. I mean, we went through that with our staffing this this past year. Our rates were very low. um, And and really, for golf course maintenance, our staffs nationally compared to landscaping staffs, um, really, you know, their hourly wages really has not been good, has not been competitive. And that's where we fight uh, to try to find people, not only seasonally, but, part-time and year-round so you know I went to him with a plan of how I thought we needed to to improve those hourly rates Um, and you know we had a couple back and forth and and I think he saw the value in what we were looking to do and we were able to really um, solidify our year-round staff and also bump our seasonal staff rates up so we could be competitive enough to, to to draw in the people we need to keep that bar at the level it needs to be and it's been uh, very successful and and uh, you know the board also it's it's are it's a younger board but they they they're listeners as well and they they really um weigh out what we're you know trying to accomplish and and they've been very very supportive across the board and and how we're reaching those goals and how we're continuing to make the club better
3: He's, he's very humble. It's it's easy to be a good listener when uh, Mike Jewfrey's giving you advice. Uh, <laughs> but truly, having a superintendent that has the experience and maturity and understanding of the whole business that Mike does, and and he's not alone. We have a, a golf pro here, Thomas Link, who is just an A plus. I mean, he he yeah. He, a plus plus yeah he gets the business like nobody I've ever known he understands the club the culture, the big picture um, just so well and he's such a invaluable part of the of the team but when when you have this good of advice coming in it 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 just helps the whole operation when we're all on the same page. Um, I've seen situations where the superintendent or the golf pro or the chef or anything isn't getting along. Is kind of at odds with, um, I guess with the GM, but you know, as the GM, I would say with the overall direction of the club. Um, and it can be a really challenging situation because, you know, when you're, when you have department heads that are looking out for their department rather than the entire club, you, you end up at odds with each other. You end up with, you know, kind of people competing for dollars or attention of the board or whatever. And, you know, those situations are out there a lot in this business and it's, uh, it's, it's unhealthy. It, it, just digs holes in, in uh, so much of what we're trying to do. So having Mike Thomas, Caitlin, our clubhouse manager, and and others that you know we're we're focused on a bigger and the board is one of the biggest ones. We're focused on the bigger directional changes and issues that we're trying to do with the club is just. You know, teamwork makes the dream work, right? But when everyone's working on the, everyone's rowing in the same direction is when you, uh, can get things done. And it's, uh, you know, Mike talked about the wage increases on the, on the ground screw this year. And, um, you know, it's, staffing is no joke right now as, as you know, Melissa and, um, Everyone listening knows it's, it is the biggest issue over the last um, year, year and a half, especially that you know, a lot of us have ever seen. So being competitive, competitive with that, I mean, you can't throw up your hands and say, you know, now we can't get people. Like the job still needs to get done, and having the the advice, the Ideas coming from Mike, the solution coming from Mike to, to address that, what we need to do to get the people in here to get the job done and done well. And then when you have the board that has, you know, as we especially got into our, our toughest pickles with staffing has just given me an awesome green light of do what you need to do, you know, do what Go for it. Get it done. Um, gives us a lot of freedom and and that kind of support is just a a game changer and allows it, has allowed us to be successful through this time. We've gone through the same with the kitchen and other departments where wages just need to be um updated. So, you know, talking with other club managers and you know people are just Eight percent inflation, but that is not the case with wages no. these last year or two and um you know thirty fifty even higher percent wages have happened, and um, everyone out there knows that's you know either has happened or has to happen or or will happen if if you don't do anything so you know we've been able to stay ahead of that a little bit, kind of <laughs> sometimes, um, or at least respond quickly when we needed to. And it's yeah, between the growth we've had and the staffing challenges and stuff, it's uh, been a it's been a tough time. But we're couldn't have gotten through it, couldn't be getting through it without the the team that we have. You know, me and Mike and Thomas and. The chef and Caitlin and the board, you know, all in the same direction, all on the same page, going in the same direction. Uh, it just can't happen without that.
1: I love that for the, you know, working, everybody working the same direction in the, the for the good of the club. And I, I love that, you know, philosophy. I think that's so strong and, um, you know, really can't be paralleled.
3: No, Mike. I mean, we've got an awesome team here. <laughs> you know, it it helps in so many ways. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and you know,
2: like it, it is everybody too. I mean, it's it's it's. I think Eric put it best when he said, "It's not only, only all the department heads, but also the board, and all being on the same page." Um, in I mean, we all know that there's so many things that could still be better at the club, and it's a prioritization of those things, you know, whether Thomas needs new driving range team Matt, um, because we just don't have the grass space to be able to hit off them seven days a week. I need to understand that. I need to know, you know, what he needs. He needs to know what my needs are, and Eric does a good job of sharing all that amongst all of us in individual meetings and meetings together and you know there's there's a lot of just informal meetings that we all have it's this club's bound like any other where i think you know my relationship with the golf pro is is just unbelievable because i have so much trust in thomas and I know he's got my back and I need to have his back. And that's the same with Eric. It's, it, there's a lot of trust involved in this. And, um, you know, I think we, we all acknowledge that. And we know that as long as we put our best foot forward for the club itself, whether we get a new irrigation system or Thomas gets new golf cart fleet or Eric gets the the patio at the club done it it doesn't matter which one of those get done as long as it falls into the priority of what the club really needs and that's what we've got to focus on
1: i love that i love that attitude and and you know that that focus on the greater good um so one last question for you, Mike, as you as you head into your your next phase with semi-retirement, what uh, what advice do you give? Are you giving um, your first assistant who's stepping into your role?
2: You know, it's he he's bringing the total package. So you know, my my biggest advice to him is is then just. Just keep your nose to the grindstone. Do what you know needs to be done on the golf course. Prioritize with Eric and Thomas what needs to be done for the greater good of the club, um, and good things will happen for him. He, he's he's an unbelievable individual that's gonna gonna go far in this in this business, um, and I mean I'm very excited for for what he brings to the club in a lot of ways. He's smarter than me. Eric talked younger and dumber. Um, Doug is probably even younger than, younger than Eric and, and uh, he's got just everything going in his, in his direction from the standpoint of the way he's a lot. You know, he doesn't act his age. He's a lot older. Um, than, than his age shows, and he's going to be very successful.
3: He's oh. had a great mentor, and I mean, I, Mike, everything he has touched here has become better, and um, he's had an amazing impact here in a, a relatively short amount of time. But I think maybe the best thing he did for us as a club is still to be seen as. Doug moves into this role and takes over the operation and um, how much Mike has set him up for success and, and we'll continue to be there to support him and, um, yeah, helping hand for advice or anything else. So um, that's, that's Mike's legacy. And honestly, it's probably all over the country with people that he's worked with.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I love to hear that. That's so good. (laughs) Didn't realize this was gonna be such a like a <laughs> lovely like tribute farewell.
3: <laughs> uh, no, we're really like just all the time. <laughs> I love it. I and think it, it's it's And beautiful. it's like a superintendent day.
1: yeah, it's That's very amazing. appropriate. <laughs> it is so appropriate. There's so mm-hmm. many great nuggets out of this conversation. Um, but I, I I think that advice and keeping your nose to the grindstone is is so important for everybody. And 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 also, you know, um just that that taking time to make that successful transition, which is so important right now in our industry as well. So, well, we cannot thank you enough for joining us and sharing your wisdom and telling us all about uh, Indian Valley Country Club and the amazing things that you've got going on. Um, we cannot thank you enough and wish you all the best as you continue to, to work together and uh, to create more memorable experiences for your members.
0: Yes. This segment of the podcast has been brought to you by Toro, a CMAA business partner. What matters most to you matters most to us. It's more than equipment. It's an investment in your golf course, in member satisfaction, and in peace of mind. At Toro, we're passionate about delivering the most innovative products in the business to help you navigate through labor challenges, regulatory pressures, and escalating operating expenses, which is why you can count on Toro for dependable equipment backed by the very best local distributors support so you can provide this outstanding experience your members expect because what matters most to you matters most to us. Learn more at toro.com. All right, Melissa, what kind of announcements do we have for everyone? Like I said at the top of the show, we're we're done with another one of our fall events, but we've still got several more on on the docket upcoming. What are the important things we want to highlight for our listeners today?
1: Absolutely. Well, it is CMAA slate announcement time. So earlier this month, uh, the CMAA nominating committee officially released the slate for the 2023 Board of Directors. There are three three year terms and one one year term available for 2023. And we congratulate our uh, slate, Hysum Badia, CCE, at the Country Club of Spartanburg in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Jeff Isbell, CCM, at North Andover Country Club in North Andover, Massachusetts. Incumbent Joe Cren, CCM, CCE, at Farmington Country Club in Charlottesville, Virginia. And Kimberly Clark Warren, CCM, at Saucon Valley Country Club in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Congratulations to these four individuals. At the recent LLC, they uh, recorded their official Uh, statements, which will be posted to cma.org backslash vote, uh, where you can find out more about our candidates. Online voting will officially open in December, uh, but until then, it's a great time to learn about those candidates. So, uh, stay tuned. All those videos will be posted shortly.
0: Yeah, and in addition to those videos, we will also be um, sharing their platform statements as well as the the each candidates kind of personal history and their um, history with CMAA and in club management more broadly, Um, you can look for that information to be added to the website over the next month or two um, as we get ready to open uh the polls for voting but we're really excited about our our new slate of candidates we're looking forward to welcoming some new faces to our board of directors Um, we're always grateful for volunteer leaders and and these folks are no exception they've been longtime members and engaged members of the association so um as always it's it's great to uh to welcome our our newest directors um so yeah stay tuned for for that as we get closer to World Conference, which as I mentioned before, it's just around the corner.
1: It is, and we'll talk more about that next month.
0: <laughs> yes, we will. But for <laughs> now, um, I think that kind of wraps us up. You know, we've 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 got another great episode coming to you later this month. It's the second half of our conversation with our friends at Pulsar Security. Um, if you remember correctly, last month we chatted with them. We spent a lot of time talking about password management, <laughs> but the second half of that conversation will have a lot more to do with the practical application of of cybersecurity at your club, and they'll talk a little bit more about specific instances in which um, clubs have either gotten into a little bit of hot water when it comes to cybersecurity and some preventative measures that everyone can take to make sure that all of their data remains secure and safe, and you can all sleep well at night knowing that no one is trying to use your identity for anything that they shouldn't, at least not with regard to your club. But that uh, that interview will be posted um, in the next couple of weeks and then somehow we'll probably be at the end of September, which, again, I don't understand how time works anymore. So I'm just it's fine. Uh, (laughs) But on that note, thank you for listening. As always, I'm Kyle. That's Melissa. This is Let's Talk Club Management. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Take care,
1: friends. Bye.
0: Let's Talk Club Management podcast is a podcast of the Club Management Association of America. Since 1927, CMAA has been the largest professional association for managers of membership clubs throughout the U.S. and internationally. The objectives of the association are to promote relationships between club management professionals and other similar professions, to encourage the education and advancement of members, and to provide the resources needed for efficient and successful club operations. Under the covenants of professionalism, education, leadership, and community, CMAA continues to extend its reach as the leader in the club management practice. CMAA is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia, with more than 40 professional chapters and more than 40 student chapters in
2: colonies. Please learn more at www.cmaa.com dot org.